Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Stacey Bellward, the host of the Connected Families podcast. Welcome to our community. We are people committed to pursuing God's grace and truth for ourselves and then daily working to pass that grace and truth on to our children. I'm so glad that you are here. Happy 2024. Woo-hoo, it's a new year, everyone. Well, you know, big emotions were a theme that we revisited many times last year on this podcast, in our Thursday Parenting Tips email, and even on social media, you know, last year in 2023. (laughs) Well, today we are re-airing an episode that got a lot of listens and resonated with thousands and thousands of you. It's about anger and anxiety and how they are connected. So listen in. Well, if you've ever asked yourself the question, why is my child so angry? You are not alone, not by a long shot. We get a lot of questions and many coaching clients who are dealing with anger and anxiety. So today I'm going to dig into this topic with Lynn Jackson, occupational therapist and co-founder of Connected Families, and Lydia Rex, who's a Connected Families parent coach and an RN. Lynn authored and Lydia joined to present our new and most comprehensive online course yet, Sensitive and Intense Kids. Welcome, Lynn and Lydia. Hey, Stacey. You know I love being here to podcast with you. Oh, same here. It's really fun to have both of you here with me, especially in our month where we are launching Sensitive and Intense and the two of you worked so closely to write and to present that course. Well, hey, I have a question for you to start off our show today. When it comes to helping families with sensitive and intense kids, you're both coaches, writing the course, you both have this no pie in the sky policy. What do you mean by that? Well, that means that we don't ever advertise to parents, oh, take our course and your child will do this in just two weeks because we feel like that's not genuine. It's not realistic. We want parents to know, we want to equip them for the long haul and that making changes in your family comes through faith and it's like turning a barge. It takes Mm -hmm. persistent effort, but we have lots of tools to help you do that. Lynn asked me lots of times, Lydia, as a parent of sensitive and intense kids who are little at home right now, read this part. Like, how does that land? (laughs) And no pie in the sky allowed. Like we want this to be practical, attainable, encouraging, and for you to be encouraged, but not fooled into thinking, oh, we're going to, this is going to be smooth sailing in no time. Yeah. Or no tools that you can't really implement. I think that's what I love about it too. Like the way that you support parents with sensitive and intense is, is this thing practical for everyday life? Can families grab it and then, you know, maybe do some tweaking and figure it out, but is it something that they can use and implement in everyday life? And I I love that no pie in the sky policy that the two of you have. Um, Well, today's podcast is inspired by a small portion of the content that is inside the new course. And so I I just want to ask, how does this topic of anger in children, how does it relate to sensitive and intense kids? So I would say sensitive and intense kids tend to have 
really big feelings. They feel things deeply. They experience life more intensely, maybe. And so a lot of times what we see as parents of sensitive and intense kids are there may be some underlying stressors in our kids. And we're going to talk a lot about, you're going to hear about the road to hope diagram. It's going to be a big part of the course. And on that road to hope diagram, you see these underlying stress factors and then we see above the surface are oftentimes big meltdowns, angry, fearful, controlling reactions, but it's coming from that underneath the stresses, the changes in a child's nervous system as a result of that chronic stress and anxiety. And it comes out the tap like a volcano erupting. The big feelings are very big. And, and the greater the stressors, the greater the anger, that it's like a release of that inner tension that kids might be experiencing. So I think that there's a lot of parents out there that are like, she just said the word volcano and I experience the volcano every single day, maybe even in their home. I think that they can really relate to that. And when they look at the road to hope diagram, the volcano is pretty big on one side, the stress cycle side of the diagram. When we go over to the other side, which everyone will learn about and hear about, it's the healing cycle. But there's also a little volcano over there. Can you just chat about that for a minute? Well, there is nothing that will take just an intense child and suddenly make that child chill, relaxed, easy flow, you know, especially in a short period of time. So if God has gifted your child with intensity, it's not about squashing that or erasing that. It's about helping them to learn how to deal with that in a way that it's effective. It mostly stays in a place of being really helpful. There's no lobotomy that we would want to do on our kids to just get rid of that. So it's about helping them to manage it in such a helpful way and use their intensity for good purposes. So we've mentioned the volcanoes. They're big. They're smaller. We're working with our kids. I talked about the family who, who sees the volcanoes a lot. And that can show up as explosive anger, which I think is probably maybe a primary way that some of this underlying stress factors show up. It comes out as, as anger, but I also am thinking that there's, there's probably some other ways that it shows up. So can we talk about that? Yeah. I mean, for some kids too, it's just the anger is more of a slow burn. It's more like, I'm just kind of continually dissatisfied with life and easily frustrated and hard to please. And that kind of anger that's much more subtle, but sometimes it can be more pervasive than the child that just blows, releases Mm. that tension and then is fine for a while. So Mm -hmm. it can, can look like that. And it can also, you know, it can also be kind of the top layer for lots of different emotions underneath. When you understand stress factors, it's so much easier to have compassion on your child. So when you understand some of the things that Lydia talked about that might be feeding that anger, that's really helpful. And it's not always just, well, I'm angry because I have a blocked goal, you know, (laughs) anxious, alone, overwhelmed. And it can be a cover up for lots of vulnerable distressing emotions. Yeah. So anger can really be a cover up for those, um, those 
softer, more vulnerable emotions like feeling ignored, feeling unimportant, Mm -hmm. guilty, untrustworthy, devalued, rejected, powerless, unlovable, you know, all of these things that it can be a deep hurt inside of our child. But what feels powerful and more protective is if you could put a coating of anger in front of that, you know, and don't let on that you're really hurting, but instead have this kind of prickly, angry exterior. So there's a lot, a big component of, of those hurts and even shame. Like what if I'm, I'm found unworthy of being loved can be kind of one of those core hurts too. Yeah. I love that image of soft emotions and prickly emotions. <laughs> prickly. That's a good description of it. Leon Seltzer, PhD, has studied anger a lot. And he says, anger is the emotion of invulnerability. Anger makes you feel safer and it invalidates whoever made you feel invalidated. So even if anger is unpleasant, it's worth it. He said, if anger helps you feel in control, no wonder you can't control your anger. And that's what we see so much with these kids that are struggling is that they are trying to control everybody and they're doing it in a prickly, angry way because that sort of soothes all the the distressed or soft, vulnerable feelings under the surface. I think that is so key. Let me just take a little mini break, everybody. If you're finding this conversation useful and maybe a friend or someone that you know is popping into your mind, you're like, they could use this conversation. Would you share our podcast, share it with them, let them find this conversation useful too. Lydia and Lynn, I just think that this concept of what's under the surface in our kids, what's under that anger that's coming out as a volcano or whatever the emotion is, that is what's surfacing. What's under that is such an important question to ask for parents, because it helps us be able to have number one, compassion, and then really come alongside them Mm -hmm. with tools and with help instead of maybe our own control, our own anxiety, our own, you know, catastrophizing of what's going to happen. I know one of the things that I didn't realize for a long time was under the surface was anxiety. And in our house, it would sometimes come out as indifference. Mm. I don't care. You know, it was maybe, you know, the speech at school. I don't care what I get. It doesn't matter to me. And, and if I don't see under the surface of that, to what's really going on and the anxiety underneath, then I would parent in a really different way. So I want to just kind of move on to how can parents help? We had a, a little scenario at my house recently that I think really illustrates this well. It happens to be a story about my husband and son, and it could very well be a story about me and one of my kids too. I asked them, I said, is it okay if I share this story? And they were like, oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But I came into the room. I walked into my kitchen the other day to find Eric just angry as all get out yelling, give me those grapes now. (laughs) And here's my husband, Kyle, insisting with some frustration, you have to ask nicely. I'm sure <laughs> that a bunch of parents can relate to this. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Pretty <laughs> sure I've done that. But, yes. You know, I thought, oh, how can I advocate for both of these people that I love so much? Right. Yeah. And I, I used an I wonder question, which is really helpful. And I said, oh, I wonder, Eric, 
I wonder if your brain is telling you, I have to have that snack so I'll be okay. Because I could see that he was really overwhelmed and just kind of over the edge, right, of his tolerance. And I said, I, I wonder if daddy's brain is anxious about teaching you to be polite. And both of their faces changed immediately. Like, Eric, <laughs> the angry face changed and I saw this little quiver in his lip, you know, it starts blinking back tears. And Kyle was like, as soon as he sensed that vulnerability under the surface of what seemed like that angry defiance, as soon as he saw that, just that glimpse of under the surface, immediately he, he softened into that, you know, like mm-hmm. he has so much compassion for son. And so we said, you know, what's important is, is to have some calm right now and to put our hearts back together. And so we were, we handed over the grapes without the polite asking. We handed over the grapes and we said, Eric, here's your snack. We love you so much. You're always going to have what you need. We're always going to make sure you have what you need. And then we said, okay, after the snack, you and daddy, you guys can go to Target and put your hearts back together. And they did. They went to pick up a Target pickup order and they come back (laughs) grinning, smiling. They listen to their music. And then later we took some opportunities to practice, you know, what's polite asking. So we didn't just let it go. We did some teaching later, but that was so much more effective. Then if we would have dug in our heels in that moment of conflict, I got to see mm. the free of that as I saw him asking for things really nicely numerous times throughout the rest of the week. And so <laughs> yeah, the effectiveness of, you know, we feel like letting our child off the hook for that angry, you know, disrespectful outburst. We feel like it's letting him off the hook. But when we respond to that, that soft, the soft emotions underneath the anxiety, we can connect with our kids and then correct that behavior with so much more effectiveness. Lynn, what else would you add to that? Well, I just remember the day that one of my kids was just owly all day and he was challenging. And I felt like I'm kind of, you know, I kept doing the framework, the connective families framework with him in my mind, you know, to get through the day, keep it light. And it was just exhausting. At the end of the day, I I sat down with him. We kind of sat in a big chair and snuggled a little bit. I said, you know, bud, you kind of had the the same kind of day that I have when I'm feeling kind of discouraged about something. Is there anything that's discouraging you right now? And he shared how this other student at school, he was sitting in a classroom, the other student came in, sat down next to him, and then looked and saw that it was him and went, oh, it's you. And she got up and she moved away from him. And of course, you know, as a parent, that just breaks your heart. But to just be able to say, oh, I bet that was really tough. I'm sorry that happened to you. And then he was so sweet the rest of the night. In fact, <laughs> so sweet that when I gave him a haircut later that night with Jim's clippers, and I was so exhausted from the day with him, I accidentally <laughs> gave him a big bald spot. <laughs> in the back of his head and I went oh here's the bald spot on the kid that's so getting rejection already at school and he was just like that's okay mom it'll oh. grow back 
Oh, <laughs> you know, it was just like, I just needed to give him permission. You know, yes. I wonder if type question, mm-hmm. I wonder if you might be discouraged. Uh, and that was all he needed to let that out. But each mm-hmm. time we do that with our kids, we're building a little bit of emotional intelligence and say, I'm feeling this instead of just exploding with anger and think about if our everyone in our world could identify what's going on under their anger it would be such a different place to live we're going to go to a break but after the break we're going to talk about that lynn like how do we work through these things with our kids and help them to identify what is going on under the anger or maybe in my case, the indifference or however that emotion is is showing up, what's underneath it. And we have some fun tools to share with people and we will do that right after the break. Hey, Lydia. Hey, Stacy. You recorded an extra bonus in the Sensitive and Intense online course called How I Stopped Parenting on Empty. You are beautifully transparent as you share the struggle that you went through with your sensitive and intense kids and how God met you in that place. Well, I know that there are many families who feel like they are parenting on empty right now. What would you say to them? I would just say, I get you. And there's so much hope. You know, I I felt like I was just failing at different points in the parenting journey. And to fail my children was the most discouraging and painful thing. I talk about it in that video. But as I leaned into God's grace for me in the moment, then I was able to start showing up different in those moments of struggle for my kids. And I was also able to start exploring all of the other practical help that we teach in this course. Things like the sensory movement that helps to regulate our nervous system, teaching about emotions, understanding how to work through challenges like screen time. That heart work empowered me to be able to move into finding practical solutions. It made a big difference. Yeah, and I know that's your heart for the families who take the court. Well, we're back after the break and having a great conversation. I, I love it when I can get Lynn and Lydia together on the podcast. And I want to start off just asking Lydia a question around trauma. I know that there's a lot of brain science taught in the course around everything that we talked about in the first half of this course. So brain science around the volcano activity, right? The fight or flight and all of that is incorporated, but maybe just take a minute on how trauma informs our conversation today. Lydia, could you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, so often when a child has really been through a lot or when they've come from a hard place. So children who came to your family through foster care, through adoption, whether or not that happened right away or later, even during pregnancy, that stress hormone cortisol, it crosses the placenta and impacts a baby's developing brain. So you could have a child who is literally born with the kind of propensity to have more of a hair trigger towards fight or flight. Okay. 
when a child experiences early loss, a separation from their first parents, any kind of early trauma at all dramatically impacts the stress center of their brain. And so, you know, they kind of develop with this brain awareness of the world is not safe, right? So even years down the road, when parents are confused that their child doesn't feel safe, like, well, why would they be so anxious and in so much stress? Like, this is what their nervous system is doing on the inside. Okay, so they're living in that downstairs survival part of the brain, the fight or flight part of the brain that's responsible for keeping them safe from danger and fight or flight, and they're not accessing that upstairs of their brain. They need to feel safe. So many, so many thousands and thousands of repetitions of that attachment dance between our child where we're meeting their needs, when we're seeing the need under the misbehavior to develop for them to find out it's safe to not, you know, explode right away. So it takes that insight, that compassion to get underneath what looks like blatant, angry misbehavior and to start to realize, you know, if my child could maybe say what was really going on, it would be, I don't feel safe. I feel really afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to lose you. I'm afraid I'm not going to have what I need, you Mm -hmm. know? That can really change things for parents when you have that empathy for what what it's like. And it doesn't even make sense to us logically, right? But it's mm-hmm. what's happening in that little brain developing that continues to impact daily life. And there is healing. That healing cycle over time is what brings healing. We're going to yeah. talk about that a lot in the course, but understanding why it's so tough is helpful. Yeah. Hey, everybody, you just got a little taste of the course because it's like, it's science. It goes just deep enough to have deeper understanding. And then it comes back again to, Hey, here's a tool you can use. And then back to faith and let's, and that's what the course is. You're going to get that, that beautiful flow of all these elements as you go through all of the materials. And I love that. Thanks for that, Lydia. Some super great illustrations and resources that you have created that can help parents to teach their kids. How do I understand what's going on under the surface? Which one do you want to start with, you guys? You can start with the backpack one. All right, let's do the backpack. And actually, everyone, we've done a few lives on social media, and one was about the backpack. So I'm excited for you to explain it here. Lynn, go ahead. Yeah, it's helping kids see that their accumulated stress through the day, which often ends up in coming out in big control or anger, is really about this just like getting more and more weights in their backpack, uh, their metaphorical backpack as they go through their day. And then it just becomes so oppressive and so difficult that it's like all of it comes out of the backpack at once in some big angry interaction. And so for kids to understand that this reaction they had to you cut the sandwich wrong or whatever it is, is not about the sandwich, but it's about all the things that have built up throughout the day. That can be a real eye opener for them. And we have an activity in the course that you can kind of make it up on your own without the extra resources, but just a little video clip that illustrates that principle. And then a sheet for parents to color in with their kids, but you can talk about it in just the same way, explaining it just like that. And then sharing your own example 
of a time when you sort of flew off the handle because of stresses that had accumulated through the day. The biggest key is you're modeling out loud. You're sharing your example and then asking their, your kids, do you ever feel like you have a backpack that just fills up with stress throughout the day? Maybe draw that out together and then talk about it. So just that awareness can make a really big difference for kids, gives them a little more of a heads up of, boy, it was a rough day at school, instead of just coming in the house, picking a fight with a sibling or demanding the perfect snack or something like that to offload that stress. You know, I was actually thinking this could be fun to do with, with my kids with like an actual backpack and, you know, demonstrate stuffing it fuller and fuller with all the things. And then, you know, what's that thing that's going to just be like, okay, now it's too much. Dump it out. Yeah, sure. <laughs> There's a game, you guys. There's a game. What is it? Pop the pig. Do you remember oh, Pop yeah. the pig? You stuff it oh, in yeah. your mouth, you stuff it in, you don't know which one is going to be too much so that the tummy Pops open. <laughs> You're feeding yeah. hamburgers to this pig. We've totally played that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're you're teaching the kids to connect things that have happened in their day that have been hard. And they maybe haven't had a chance to even really give it a second thought, but move on, but it still sits with them. Just like mm-hmm. it does with all of us. We're all human. It's the way it works. I was but actually to- just thinking of a time recently when my backpack got really full and I took my dog to the vet and it was kind of a hard trip. And I just, I cried and cried when I got home because I was so stressed. That was a full backpack. It, it was about all the things that added up to that moment. Great example of what a perfect teaching moment. As long as you're having a meltdown, you might as well use it as a teaching moment about that principle, about mm-hmm. things just built up and built up and built up and this is what's going on with me right now. Well, and then we've talked about the compassion that understanding brings. And you kind of mentioned it, Lynn, because when that happens in our kids, then the backpack explodes over some tiny little thing. And we've all been the parent that's been like, really, you're going to lose it because you want a red cup, not a blue cup. Like, come on. And that would be the reaction if we didn't have this understanding, like, whoa that was a backpack exploding what was going on and you know and then having the conversation with our child about that i just want to add to it's like when we do that when we just shift to that perspective and we help our child sort through that list of stresses it really communicates i care more about what's going on in your heart than i do about quickly managing your behavior and it does set a parent up then to later, like Lydia, circle back later and go, so what would be some more helpful ways that, that we could handle that situation? And if a child has really received true compassion, it, it helps them to work with you instead of against you as they learn better strategies. And I think too, that the thing that I love about this is when you build this kind of language with your kids, like even what you just said, oh, that was kind of a, that was like a backpack exploding kind of a moment. When you've used this kind of language with your kids, that just that little phrase brings grace into the moment. Mm -hmm. And, and you can, let's, let's have a hug. Let's, let's take a moment. Oh, those backpack exploding moments are tough. I get it. And then to move on with such great connection. I like it. Okay, the other activity that has been on our blog post, I think we've talked about it in different ways for a while, is the paper plate activity. Lynn, would you like to explain that one? 
Yeah, it's just about using paper plates like emojis, drawing kind of, hey, what do I look like when I get really angry? Having some fun with it, making your anger plate. And then again, reflecting back to some times when your vulnerable or soft emotion has come out prickly. And what was that? And draw a few other paper plates that would represent those emotions. And then tell that story, reflect back and choosing one you know, if possible, that your kids would remember <laughs> as a, a tough situation. And then just helping give them language for some of these vulnerable emotions. The first is just sort of like understanding the function of accumulated stress. And this uh, is more about building that emotional intelligence to label those emotions mm -hmm. so that they can begin to use those words. And you start simple with young kids with just sort of the mad, sad, glad kind of <laughs> diversity. But then you add other things like embarrassed or hurt feelings or worried, you know, those kinds of things over time so that you're increasing the complexity of the emotions they're learning. But it's still that image of, oh, what, I wonder if there's something else under the paper plate. You seem really frustrated right now. Do you need a hug? And then maybe we can figure out if there's anything else going on. So it's mm -hmm. that kind of a, a response. Yeah. When I did this activity with my kids, I I was trying really hard to make paper plates that showed the emotions accurately. And I had one paper plate that I was practicing on. And so I had lots of different features on it. My kids found my practice plate after we did the activity and they, they go, mom, what's this emotion? And I said, I don't know, but I think I felt it before. <laughs> I said, I sent the picture to Lynn. It was so funny. It was the paper play that had every emotion. Is that what all the emotions all together? <laughs> Sometimes we do feel like that, don't we? But such a concrete way for kids to see like underneath that mad is something else. So we'd done the paper plate activity before. And this week we were reading a story about one of the little llama llama books and, and little llama had a meltdown in the middle of the store. It's actually a uh, llama mad at mama or something is the name of the book. And, and I said to my kids, oh, little llama, he seems really mad. I wonder what might have been underneath his mad feelings? Do you think he had any any soft feelings under there? Is that how we've been talking about, you know, those more vulnerable feelings as soft feelings? And so they had some ideas. And then we talked about, you know, when we sometimes we use anger because it feels powerful and prickly and we can kind of protect ourselves with that. But underneath that prickly emotion of anger is sometimes some soft feelings. Like I remember a time that I was starting to get angry, but I think I was feeling sad. And I wish I would have been honest about my soft feeling and, and taking care of my heart instead of getting angry. Have you guys ever felt like that? And that was a great conversation too. Wisdom growing conversations. We love those around here. And Stacey, I think you have a little story of doing this paper plate because illustration with some older kids because parents of older kids like might be like, yeah, I'm not getting on a paper plate with my 13 year old, you know, so how did you pull that off? I can remember doing the paper plate activity when my kids were a little bit older, they were probably getting towards middle school. And I was a little nervous because that's the age when they can be like, come on, paper plates, craft projects, <laughs> like, you know, I'm too big. For 
for this, but I just remember trying to make it as light hearted and goofy as possible. And remember the angry paper plate, like we each got to do our own. Right. I was like, you know, do I look like this? And oh no, like my artsy daughter, you know, I think she drew like fangs and teeth and crazy (laughs) hair and and it just became like, like, you know, laughable and we enjoyed it. And we did refer to it as, you know, what's underneath that anger. And so I think they really understood that from then on. Yeah. And we don't have to use paper plates for this concept. If you feel like there is no way I could entertain my tween or teen with a paper plate. There's also a concept about kind of like, it's, it's like an iceberg where what you see is on the surface as the anger, but then underneath there's all sorts of other emotions that are, that are hiding under the surface of the water. And you can just get out that and have a conversation with that. We'll have a link to one of those. There's lots available on the internet, but a link to that, that, that you can just like kind of talk about it and relate to it. And again, lead with modeling by sharing. This is a time when, boy, what was going on on the surface of the water was X, but what was really going on underneath was Y and Z. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's your authenticity that will be the biggest teacher. So, you know, yeah. just even just sharing, oh, you know what? I, I realized under my anger, I was feeling really insecure and worried. And just start talking about that in little snippets without using any kind of an illustration. That's a good example of leading with grace. And your kids can learn from your example so much more than any other source or teacher. I'm, I'm just hearing so much empathy in all these conversations too, because as we as parents, as we're just working to understand what's going on under our kids and then helping them to understand what's going on under them, this is all, you know, I'm doing it for myself. I'm helping my kids do it. There's so much grace and then empathy that's a part of this all. And what a healing environment, what a supportive, beautiful place that we are then as a family, as we're working through the hard things that we experience at school and at work, and then we come together. And I love that. And I know that that's all part of what helps us move back to the diagram in the course from the stress cycle to the healing cycle, which is the road to hope. So today in this podcast is just a few ideas, the paper plate and the backpack and our conversation today. That's just just a little drop, uh, a little taste of what's in the sensitive and intense course. But really, this is the heartbeat of who Connected Families is, is to bring that grace and truth so that we can bring it to our kids. And that is a road to hope. Yeah, I think you know, recognizing that Jesus has so much empathy for us. You know, he walked this earth just like we have. He understands, he understands the feelings. And when we can receive that grace, when we can receive that peace from Jesus, we can persevere to work through Mm -hmm. these outbursts and angry outbursts. And instead of focusing on squelching that disrespectful anger, instead we can love no matter what and know over time that we are bringing that healing cycle to our children. Proverbs 29, 11 says the wise bring calm in the end. So, Mm. you know, this is not a quick fix, but in the end, we're working towards really powerful healing for ourselves and our kids. 
Lynn and Lydia, thank you so much for being with me today on this podcast. We talked a lot about sensitive and intense and anger, all of these things, but the two of you, it's been a delight. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Stacey. Always a delight to be Mm -hmm. with you. Thanks for tuning in today, friends. If you found today's podcast helpful, would you share it with a friend? We are a listener-supported organization. Over 45,000 parents like you listen to the podcast every month. Individual donations make the work to equip and encourage families possible. For more information about the course, Sensitive and Intense Kids, about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time. Thank you.